And uh, if you have your Bibles with you tonight and you want to turn there, I'm going to be taking some scripture out of the gospel according to Luke in chapter 12. And, uh, you know, it, it's always interesting, you know, certain times of the year, I think, uh, you know, preachers are expected to preach particular messages. I guess, uh, you know, I should preach a message about Thanksgiving, but uh, to be perfectly honest, uh, it shouldn't be just this particular time of the year, but all the time. Uh, it shouldn't be that we only preach the resurrection on Easter. shouldn't be that we only preach about the birth of Christ on Christmas. But rather that all of these things add up to that we have a Savior in Jesus Christ. And uh, while you're finding uh, uh, Luke chapter 12, and we'll start reading at uh, around verse 16. And one of the things that I want to uh, ask you tonight is... Are your treasures in heaven? You see, Jesus at one point, He said, For where your treasures are, there will your heart be also. And a lot of times, you know, we know that the things we treasure the most, the things that we value the most, they're the things that we're most concerned with. Uh, and if we get too concerned about hanging on to things in this world, hanging on to the things that uh, uh, everything down here is temporary, and we need to treat it as such. It's not uh, uh, that we just need to waste or be wasteful and don't think that I'm telling you that. Uh, we're called to be good stewards over God's blessing, uh, but to know that all of this stuff down here is temporary, but in a relationship with the Most High God uh, and His Son Jesus, now that uh, is permanent. Uh, that is something that we will be able to enjoy uh, as the ages roll on. Uh, but how easy it is uh, uh, for us to get wrapped up in things of this world, uh, uh, to begin to get concerned uh, uh, about riches, uh, uh, to get concerned about standing in the community uh, rather than looking to the Lord uh, and knowing that at the last day uh, he's the one that's going to do the sorting uh, he's the one uh, uh, that's going to show those that are blessed uh, and to show those uh, uh, that have worked their way right into the devil's hell uh, and I can tell you tonight I'm glad uh, uh, that we have a savior uh, uh, who looks upon all of our problems uh, and he's above them all that a lot of times we have things that crop up in life we can't understand, we can't figure out. But He's above them. He's got that perspective that we don't have. And you'll notice in this particular chapter of the book of Luke that a lot of it's about don't worry. Quit worrying about things that you can't change. That at one point He says, look, you consider the lilies of the field and how that God takes care of them or the ravens uh, and he tells them don't worry uh, through worry you can't change your height uh, through worry you can't uh, do anything uh, except for borrow from tomorrow's troubles uh, and bring them right into today and parked right in the middle of that is the scriptures we're getting ready to read uh, starting at verse 16 uh, in which that a man he's actually got it pretty good and yet he still finds something to worry about and worst of all he worries about the wrong thing. And a lot of times I think that's probably our problem. I know it is for me. Is that I worry, but I worry about the wrong things. Oh, yeah. 
You know that a lot of times we're more worried about uh, hanging on to what we've got rather than uh, uh, trying to acquire another loved one into the kingdom of heaven uh, uh, than trying to win souls and the devil wants you to stay beat down uh, so that you're not testifying, so that you're not witnessing, uh, so you're not inviting people out to church uh, because church, look around. Uh, uh, There's not a lot of lost people coming out to the house of the Lord. Uh, uh, The ministry has to take place out there. out in the highways and the byways uh, uh, that we've got to be about our father's business uh, rather than worrying about everything else. And so you'll notice now Jesus gives them this parable and this of course comes after a guy tells him, hey, make my brother share the inheritance with me. And Jesus said, "Uh, am I supposed to be a divider uh, amongst all of you? And what he's telling this man and he gives this parable uh, he's saying you're worried about the wrong stuff. We'll start reading at verse uh, uh, 16 in Luke chapter 12. And it says, And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruit. Uh, uh, So if you notice just in those two scriptures right there, uh, uh, that God gave this man the increase. uh, And and the first thing that he worries about uh, is how he's going to store it up uh, because he's run out of room. And I tell you now, that's a good kind of problem to have. Uh, I would love to see this church have the kind of problem uh, uh, where we don't have enough room for people to see. where we don't have enough room for people to park outside. Those are the kind of problems that when God begins to bless, if He does, then He'll make a way for the problem to be solved. But the first thing should be thanksgiving. But you'll find no thanksgiving with this man. He says, oh man, what am I going to do? And I found myself literally in this situation. And the Lord brought it right up before me as a contractor for years and years. I'd run around and I'd either be afflicted with no work and not enough money or too much work and not enough time. And I remember bidding on a job and how quickly that I would go from praise the Lord I got it to oh Lord, how am I going to get it done? Rather than looking around saying, God, if you bless me with it, you didn't bless me with it uh, uh, to destroy me uh, or to worry me into a stupor. Uh, uh, when God blesses you, you're not supposed to find yourself worrying about uh, hanging on to it. Uh, let God take care of it. Uh, you praising for it. Uh, so this man's first step is wrong because it says his ground brought forth plentifully. Okay, I can tell you this now. I, I'm not a farmer. I think you all know that about me. Uh, now, I, I have inherited a bit of mom's green thumb. But I tell you, I don't particularly like doing it. But apparently, I'm good at it. But a friend of mine, Brother Sam Steele, now he loves that sort of thing. He's a man of the land. And I've talked to him often. He plows the field. He knows how to farm. He knows how to get something to grow. But I told him, I said, and yet, you're only controlling the things you can control, right? And he said, yeah. And I said, because you can't make it rain, can you, brother? And he said, no. I said, you can't make the sunshine, can you? And he said, no. I said, when you poke them seeds into the ground, it's with a hope and a prayer and a trust in God that He'll give the increase. I tell you, though, when a person is getting their food out of the ground because God gave the increase, I think that's when people will really look up 
No, really consider where it is. And right now, people are so divorced from the ground that they get their food from. Oh, yeah. And I think that that's caused a lack of thankfulness. Oh, a caused yeah. a lack uh, of looking around saying, you know what? Uh, uh, God has given the increase. When's the last time uh, you've been walking down the aisles of Walmart uh, and you've said, praise the Lord, uh, uh, that somebody was able to grow this bag of pinto beans uh, and then it got shipped here, uh, made it from there to here, uh, and praise the Lord, I have the money to plunk down and buy it uh, uh, because God has given me the increase. This man is worried about the wrong thing. And that's what Jesus is telling. And you know, in speaking in parables, a lot of times the reason he did that, it says that seeing they might not see and hearing, they might not hear and you may say he's playing coy, but rather it is that he wants the ones that are willing to dig deep. Wants the ones that are willing to say, what's that mean? And some people, man, you'll tell them stuff. As a teacher, I can tell you, I've stood up in front of a classroom full of students uh, and explained something almost till I was blue in the face. And then put them to work actually doing it. And then suddenly the questions come. The whole time I'd be asking, are there any questions? Do you understand this? Yes, Mr. Williamson, we understand it. Uh, And then I put them to work and now, I don't get this. Well, where was that a few minutes ago? And you see, a lot of times, uh, that's the way we are. We're not looking to God, uh, and we're not saying, God, uh, I want to know more. Uh, I want you to bless me. Uh, uh, be like Jacob that penny and say, uh, I'm not letting go uh, until I get my blessing. Uh, I'm going to hang on. Uh, uh, though he slay me, yet shall I serve him. Uh, uh, though that it might be to my own destruction, uh, I'll trust him. Oh, yes. And so this man, now we find him, he's got a problem. He don't know where to put all of his stuff because he's got so much. And it goes on there in the next verse. It says, verse uh, 18, it says, And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. Uh, And he says, I know what I'll do. Uh, I'll tear down that which I have. Uh, I'll build back better uh, and bigger, uh, and I'll put it somewhere. Uh, uh, He's got a plan, and I'll tell you, uh, it's well said that man plans uh, and God laughs, uh, because we think, uh, I believe it's in the book of James, uh, where that he says, you know, with the arrogance of saying tomorrow or next week we'll go and we'll work and we'll get gain, never once saying, if the Lord allows this to happen. If he blesses me to live, I've often said in front of my students, you know, they'll be like, well, you'll probably be teaching when I have kids. And I'll often tell them if I'm still alive and kicking, I guess that's possible. Well, well, what's wrong, Mr. Williamson? Well, as far as I know, nothing's wrong. But I know I don't have a promise of tomorrow. I'll slip in a gospel message on them when they ain't looking. And I'll tell them, look, we don't have a guarantee of the future. We don't know what's going to happen next. But I do know, see there's precious few things that I know absolutely certain, but one thing I do know is there is a God. Beside Him, there is no other. There is a Son that came down into this world, the bread of God which cometh down from heaven, whereby that men could be saved. And He's brought us the increase of life. You think about what he said. He said, I'm not come uh, 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 to, to destroy men's lives. He said, but I'm come that they might have life and that they have it, what? More abundantly. 
not just a little bit. He said, I'm going to give them it all. And you see this man, when he looked around, he said, I'm going to have to build a bigger barn. And he scratches his head and worries about it. And in studying psychology in college, I can tell you, they have a term for that that I won't bother you with, but it's that you always move from one care to another. Oh, yes. Until you learn how to be content. You see, that's the problem, I think, with a lot of people nowadays, is a lack of contentment. That I can tell you that some of the most contented people that I've ever met are actually some of the ones that like to smoke marijuana. I'm telling you, they'll sit around and they're content with nothing. As long as they have plenty of that. One of my best friends in school, that's the way that he was. He'd sit and stare at the wall and giggle for hours and I thought what is wrong with him why is he enjoying that this is boring and of course he'd well you gotta try this man and I'm like you look like an idiot why would you do that but I can tell you I found contentment that goes beyond that now you'll find me working You'll find me out there aggravating sometimes in the beaming hot sun and all that, but I can tell you uh, uh, that I'm pretty content. Uh, and now if the Lord sees fit to bless me with more, uh, then I'll do my best to be a good steward. Uh, uh, but I found that really, uh, if you want to have real joy, uh, you got to have contentment, and not just contentment in the things of the world, but contentment uh, in your relationship with the Lord. Because if you look around... Especially as a blood-bought Christian, you need to know this world, it's not your home. This ain't the place you're staying. This is temporary. And yet we'll run around and wring our hands and worry about things of this world rather than saying, you know what? All of this is going to melt with a fervent heat and the only thing that I can take with me the only thing that I even have a shot of taking with me to heaven is my loved ones. And you don't get them there with stuff. I've told many a parent, uh, and I learned this lesson the hard way back when I was a contractor. Uh, I was worried about get all you can and can all you get, uh, uh, just like this guy is. Uh, uh, and I, was a, I wasn't as good of a father as I should have been. I wasn't as good of a husband as I should have been. Uh, I thought that what they needed was stuff. Uh, and yet, when I got a job making way less, uh, and we had much, uh, uh, we only had meager possessions, I remember though, that I was happier, Sister Crystal was happier, and the kids were happier. That Elijah, at nine years old, he told me, he said, Dad, you're different. We was out on a trip with his school. I'd never been able to go on trips and stuff like that prior because I was always too busy. And I was out and I was running around. I was still young enough to run and and carry on with kids. I, I still try it now, but I pay for it for days now. But I was out running around with him and playing with him and a bunch of other kids there playing tag. And we were, you know, just killing time waiting on a tour. And he told me that. He said, Dad, you're different. And I said, different good? And he said, oh, yeah, absolutely. And I told him, I said, son, I'm a lot happier. I've learned how to be happy. And I got closer to the Lord during that time. Because that I wasn't trusting in the things of this world. I was trusting in Him. Because you'll notice now it says uh, this man now has a plan to take his ease. For everything to go well. For serenity. 
You ever prayed the prayer of serenity? You'll notice it doesn't say, God give me everything I want. Fork over the cash, God, and I'll be serene. Notice it says in verse 19, And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. Church, I don't know if you realize this, but this is the perverted form of the American dream. Oh, yes. To get so much that work is optional and that you've got so much that you don't have to worry about anything else. And let me tell you this, there's nothing wrong with being wealthy. And a lot of times people will say, and there's a movement in this country, uh, uh, they call it eat the rich, uh, or that we should go out and rob anybody that's wealthy and take everything they've got and give it to somebody else. Uh, and praise be unto God, stealing is still against the law. Because there's lots of people that would love to form a horde and, and ride out to the house of Jeff Bezos uh, or Elon Musk or Bill Gates or one of them. Uh, and, and I'll tell you this, I don't know that they got it ever bit honest, uh, but I'll tell you this, uh, if it's between their riches uh, and heaven, uh, uh, then their riches, they can take it and throw it in the ocean for all that I care. Uh, uh, but rather, uh, what I have are riches laid up in heaven. Where's this man's riches but down here in this world? And guess where his heart is? For where your riches are, there will your heart be also. It's in a barn. I'll tell you, my, the most precious thing to me was born in a barn. But he didn't stay there. He has ascended to the right hand of the Father. Sat down as an intercessor for me. And so this man, he's got this plan. And then that's when God talks to him. And in a precious few times that God refers to somebody as a fool. But notice in verse 20 it says, But God said unto him, Thou fool. Now why is this guy a fool? He's trying to be frugal and save up. Well, if you read on, you'll notice it says, This night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? That uh, He's telling him, Look, uh, you've got all your plans and you never once looked up. Uh, you never once said, Thank you, Lord, uh, uh, that my land is brought forth uh, plentifully. You've never uh, looked up and praised Him. Kind of like what I've heard tell that Brother N.P. Adkins would always say, like a hog under an oak tree eating acorns and never once looks up and considers where they come from. And a lot of times that's the way we do. We look around and say, this is my property. This is my house. This is my stuff. I went out and worked and got it and all that, but who blessed you to be able to get out and work? Who blessed you to have the health and the wherewithal to get these things, but God the Father who is in heaven. Hallowed be His name that we need to consider every single day who gives the increase. And ask yourself, where are your riches? I'll tell you, if you're not reading your Bible, you're missing a lot of them. I tell you, if you don't have a good, healthy prayer life, you're missing some of them. You're not using what God has blessed you with because in this book are promises and we need to be standing on the promises of God and not looking to the things of the world because they're temporary. And this man was even shown that he, his life, is but a vapor. If you've ever read the book of Ecclesiastes, You'll notice that it says life 
It's just a vapor. It doesn't last that long. And you may even look back into the, the far reaches of the Old Testament all the way back into Genesis. And read that. And I remember uh, reading it, you know, and I'd always heard it as a kid how old that Methuselah lived and so many of them, you know, and they lived hundreds of years. And, and, and as an adult, and as I really, that began to sink in, I thought, wow, that's a really long time. And then you trace it all the way back to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And remember what God told them about eating of that tree of knowledge of good and evil? He said, in the day that ye eat thereof, ye shall surely die. And now I believe it was recorded that Adam lived 930 some odd years. Don't quote me on that. But he still died. Methuselah, 969 years, and he still died. That they all died, and whether it was a real long time or a very short time, they everyone died as a result of sin, of disobedience to the will of God. This man wasn't looking to God, but rather looking to self. And he was referred to as a fool. And then Jesus ends the parable with this statement in verse 21. It says, So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Now I can tell you there are lots of people in this world that would love to take that scripture and say that means that you can't save money. No, that is not what that says. You are encouraged to be good and faithful stewards over what God has blessed you with whatever that it may be. But the first thing to do is to consider Him. Think about it this way. I've met people who would never stick a bite of anything in their mouth without bowing their head and thanking God for that. But I fear that some of them, it's just become so routine that they don't even consider why it is that they do it. But when we eat, I think when we pray over our food, we should ask for two things. Number one, we should render thanks to God uh, that we're able to get it. And then next, and think about this one in today's times especially, that God protects you if there's anything wrong with it. Because they're putting all kinds of funny stuff in her food nowadays. And I tell you though that I believe that a praying Christian uh, uh, that they can mitigate some of the effects uh, of the garbage that they're putting in food because God, uh, have you seen what my God can do uh, uh, with food that ain't suitable to eat? He can make it good. Uh, He can bring water from the rock. Uh, uh, He can uh, heal a pot of porridge uh, that's poisonous. Uh, uh, You need to start asking Him, God, bless my food. And don't just say for the nourishment of my body, but protect me from the junk that they're putting in it that is not one drop good for me. As I've heard Adrian Rogers say, you live off a half of what you eat and the doctor lives off the other half. And I've thought about that a lot. That a lot of times I don't just eat to sustain myself, but I eat it because I enjoy it. I'm a big, me and chocolate have a love-hate relationship. That I love it, and it loves me a little too much, and I hate that because it goes and adds to me and not in a good way. But I can tell you this. God is the one that gives any increase in your life. And whenever we eat, whenever we're blessed, we need to stop and say, God, my real treasures are in heaven. 
that the next time if you get a financial windfall, you stop and say, God, uh, uh, this is truly a blessing, uh, uh, but I'd rather have treasures in heaven. Uh, now, I'm not saying to take all your money uh, and give it away, lest God tells you to do that. But Brother Jeremiah's not going to tell you that. I'm definitely not going to tell you to give it to me. Uh, I don't think I can be trusted with too much. Uh, uh, God hasn't seen fit to bless me with an overabundance of it. But you'll notice that Jesus said that's the way that they are. And in another place, when a rich young ruler comes running up to Jesus and calls him good master, and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus tells him, well, you know the law. And the guy, he rattles it off. He knows the law. And Jesus says, well, here's what you do to be perfect. He said, you go and sell all that you have. Give to the poor. Take up your cross and follow me. And it says that the young man left Jesus sorrowful. And, the, and Jesus said, how hard it is for they that are rich to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And the disciples said, it's a sin to be rich. And Jesus said, no, but it's a sin to trust only in your riches rather than trusting in God. Rather than saying, God, it's all yours anyway. As I can tell you, I've lived with abundance. I've lived with scarcity. And I can tell you though that in both times God was the same. The only one that changed was me. And I learned to trust Him better in times of scarcity than I ever did in abundance. That's why I say God probably can't trust me with it. Because I began to look to my own understanding. I began to trust in that, that any problem that I had, I thought money will solve it. And yet it didn't. And I wasn't content. And you think about that because when it comes to being thankful, it's more about looking around saying, God, look at how you've blessed me. I think often of what happened to Nebuchadnezzar in, in the latter part of his life. It says that the throne was taken from him. He lived as a wild beast for seven years. And do you remember what he was saying right before judgment fell upon him? He was walking around his palace and looking at it, marveling at it, saying, Is this not Babylon? Which I, Nebuchadnezzar, the great king, because remember in the statue that he was shown in his dream, he was the gold head. <laughs> now I guarantee you that gave him the big head. They probably had to enlarge some doorways for him to get in and out. And he was walking around, look at all this, and look at what I've got by my own hand. And then the judgment of God fell upon him. But you find Nebuchadnezzar after that looking around saying, God will take from whom He'll take. He'll give to whom He'll give. There's no question of his understanding that Nebuchadnezzar found out uh, that there's one God. Uh, he's in heaven. Uh, he has all power. Uh, and we need to trust in Him. Uh, you need to turn it all over to Him. And then see what He'll trust you with. And then learn to be more and more trustworthy with riches down here. But most of all, be looking to the ones over there. Because I'm getting ready to hush. I, I, I don't feel led to preach too awful much longer, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave you with this psalm. And maybe you want to read it this Thursday on Thanksgiving. It's Psalm 100 if you want to find it in your own Bible. Because you'll notice that a lot of thanksgiving has to take place in the Christian life. Yes. Everything that we have, we don't have it in and of our own ability or our own power. I can't tell you how many times my own wit, my own wisdom, my own finances have failed me. Now, I'm a pretty smart guy, according to some. 
And I can tell you though that my wisdom and my wit have failed me regularly. I really don't want to stand up here and try to recount all the stupid things that I've done in my life. It would probably be mildly entertaining. But I can tell you this though. Then I, look, I think about those times and any time I do something good I marvel at how God is able to get that out of somebody like me. And notice now in Psalm 100, and it's a very short psalm, so you won't spend most of this Thursday reading if, if you find yourself reading this on, on Thanksgiving. It's five verses. It says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all ye lands. Now those of you that are hesitant to sing, you'll notice it says a joyful noise. And say so it has to be in tune or on time or anything like that. Just make a joyful noise. That can be glory, hallelujah. That can be banging away on a tambourine, tapping your foot, snapping your fingers. Uh, don't have to be on time, but it's a joyful noise before the Lord. It says in verse 2, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Once again, singing. Doesn't have to be good singing. Just singing. Maybe humming a tune on your heart. Uh, whatever it is, God, you know that is a real pure form of worship, is singing. And I can tell you this, the times that I really feel closest to God are when I'm down in my wood shop or down in my garage and I get started singing and worshiping and I'm working away and everything. Uh, I'll tell you now, I feel real close to God during those times uh, uh, because that I'm singing His praises and I'm not worried about somebody hearing me if I miss a note or I pitch it wrong and, and get it too high or too low for myself uh, because God's just glad that uh, I'm a happy little man uh, walking around in this world rejoicing uh, and being glad in Him. He honors that. And you'll notice now he goes on and says, Know ye that the Lord, He is God. You know, a lot of times, that almost seems like a well, duh, kind of moment. But you have to remind yourself of that sometimes. Especially when you're worried. Know that He is God. Know that He has the answer. You don't, but He does. He might even already have your help on the way and you didn't even know he's in trouble. Know that he is God. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. That's a verse for today. Because people are running around saying, oh God is just a construct of man. They've got it backwards. It is God that created man, not man that created God. And you'll notice now he says, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture is the Lord your shepherd I hope uh, that it's yes and amen to that uh, uh, is he the one uh, that you follow that leadeth you uh, uh, beside the still waters uh, that maketh you to lie down uh, in green pastures is he the one uh, trusting church uh, at treasure him and you'll notice he goes on and says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. You know, this is really just a treatise on how to worship the Lord. Enter into his gates with gladness. What does that mean? That means when you come to church, you don't say, I have to go to church. You ought to be saying, I get to go to church. You ought to be saying, praise the Lord that I'm able to, that I can afford it, that we have a church that's well lit, air conditioned and heated, so we don't have to worry about freezing to death or melting down in the summers, that God has blessed us. 
That's a blessing. Yes. You think about people in other places, far off lands. Their churches, I imagine they probably don't smell nice. They probably are cold in the winter and hot in the summer. What a blessing it is that we have. Yes. We should be more able to concentrate upon the blessings of God than any other nation in the world for how we've been blessed. And you'll notice it says in verse 5 now, for the Lord is good. Yes. Boy, there's a song right in that, ain't there? Yes. For the Lord is good. Yes. <laughs> I don't know that I'd be the one to write it, but the Lord, He is indeed Amen. good. You'll notice that when the rich young ruler ran up to Jesus and he said, called him good master, and Jesus looked around and said, Why callest thou me good? There's none good except for God. God is good. Uh, that right there is a big testimony when you look around and say, uh, uh, maybe with things falling down around your ears, yep, but God is good. And I'll trust Him. Kind of like Job said, Though He slay me, yet shall I serve Him. He's good. I might not be, but He is. He goes on and says, His mercy is everlasting. You think about how often that we need His mercy. Oh, yes. His mercies upon us, that's what allows you to keep living. Because if you had to die every time you sinned, you'd die every day. Oh, yes. I don't think you'd make it five minutes into the day. I know I wouldn't. His mercy is everlasting and His truth endureth to all generations. You see, there's a problem in this generation with the truth. They want to take the truth and say, well, it's whatever I want it to be. Oh, yeah. No? And I, I, I told some students last year, I had an occasion to do this, and they were talking about their truth, and I said, look, I said, that, that's the most ridiculous thing that I've heard come out of intelligent beings' mouths, is them saying, the truth is subjective. No, it's not. Right. And, and what the Lord gave me years ago, and I've said this probably a dozen or so times over my ministry, but I, I was thinking about this, you know, that, that a lot of times when we're wanting to do something, and the, the analogy that I've used was like go golfing even though I'm not a golfer. And say you want to go golfing or you want to go fishing or hunting or whatever it is, whatever your favorite past, outdoor pastime is, and you're watching the news, you're watching the weather forecast, maybe you're getting your phone out and you pull up that app that comes on the iPhone, it's pre-installed, and you check the weather on it, and it says it's supposed to rain. You want to go play around the golf or whatever tomorrow. You say, "Well, I don't like that forecast," and so you maybe go to WSAZ's website. Well, they're a little more local, and you check theirs, and Tony Cavalier says it's going to rain. Well, yeah, but he gets it wrong sometimes. Let's go over to WOWK Channel 13. Maybe their guys got it right. Now, you'll notice that two different sources have told you the same thing. And you get there, and it says, it's going to rain. Well, shucks. And you scour the Internet. Maybe you go to a different local radio station or something like that, and it says, oh, no, it's going to be clear skies and sunny tomorrow. <laughs> That's the one that, that's my truth right there. Now, this sounds absurd, doesn't it? And yet it takes place every day. Oh, yeah. And you go out on the golf course and you tee up, you look in the distance and you see dark clouds are coming your way. Yeah, but that forecast I saw that I wanted said it ain't going to rain. 
So those, the, I don't care about those clouds. It ain't going to rain. You go on, and they get closer, and you hear the rumble of thunder. You smell rain in the air, but you still say, Yes, uh, but my truth is, it's not going to rain. Well, let me ask you this. Does your belief change how wet you'll get when the downpour comes? Does your belief in that one outlying fringe forecast, does it change what actually happened? You won't be any less soaked to the bone whenever the rain comes. And in this world, people want to run around and they want to find the truth that they agree with. And they want to camp out on that. But you'll notice it says that God's truth, it endures forever. They may not want to believe it. Your belief doesn't affect the truth. Your feelings don't affect what is. Let God be true and every man a liar. And I'll tell you in this day and time, what the world needs is a good healthy dose of the truth. Because everybody's got their spin on it. Many of you I've heard say, I quit watching the news. Because they're so biased one way or the other. And yes, they are. They'll want to spin it. They'll present it. And used to be that they would show the news uh, and you would decide how that you felt about it. And now they present the news and tell you how you're supposed to feel about it. Tell you what to think about it. But I'll tell you this. God is truth. God has the truth. And the truth is that a world without Jesus Christ, a person when they die in sin, they go to the devil's hell. But in Jesus Christ, they can have life and it's eternal. And that's an absolute fact that if they die in Him, they've got way better things waiting for them on the other side. And church, the next time that bad news comes your way, just remember you've got heaven waiting on you. And that the best thing for you to do is to remember that there are those out there that don't have that hope. And if you can, bring it to them and compel them to come in before that it's too late. And you want to lay up treasures in heaven. How wonderful it is. How wonderful, I should say, will it be for somebody being next to the feet of Jesus to point over at you and say, Jesus, they're the one that told me about you. They're the one that recommended. And then I tasted and saw that the Lord was good. And happy am I because I trusted in You, Lord. You think about that. (laughs) You think about how big of a treasure that is. As I can tell you, I got into teaching to teach young people. And some of the first kids that I've taught, they're seniors in high school now. Last week, I had an occasion to actually go to Spring Valley High School with some 8th graders and run into several of them. Had a brief conversation with a couple of them. And several of them thanked me for being their teacher and helping them. Some of them brought up stuff, Brother Dennis, I don't even remember telling them. I I looked at them and said, well, that sounds like something I'd say. I I didn't remember it, but it meant something to them. And how wonderful that is. See, that, that... that's what I got into it for. The pay, of course, is beneficial. I can live off of that, yeah. mostly. But I can tell you this, the real joy that comes from my work is hearing that. It's hearing them say, you made a difference in me. You taught me that. What a wonderful thing. But even better will it be for somebody to say, you led me to Christ. Oh, yeah. You helped get me to Him. 
Somebody else sowed the seed and you come along and watered it. Just because of the life that you lived. Just because of something that you told me. And church, don't think it's, it's unique only to me. You can tell them too. They'll look at your life. They'll listen to your testimony. They may listen to me preach 10,000 times and never be changed not one drop. But then you give your testimony and that might make it to that old stony heart and break up that ground to where that seed can take root, church. And that's laying up treasures. That's what we're supposed to be worried about. Jesus said those other things, they'll take care of themselves. We'll trust God the Father to give the increase and to give us what we need. And I hope you've been blessed by this message. I know that if you need the altar, you can consider it open. That if you need to pray, now is the